Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Today, continuing on with our series of year-ahead conversations for 2023. Today, focusing on fixed income and joining us for that conversation. Glad to welcome back Leslie Falconio, Head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Leslie, great to be with you as always. Thank you for dropping by and looking forward to our conversation. Thank you, Dan. I really appreciate it. So, Leslie, I want to talk about the latest edition of the Fixed Income Strategist, which you run lead on. It's a monthly publication from the UBS Chief Investment Office, though the final edition for 2022 reflects on performance of the asset class throughout the year, also sets up how the year ahead might play out. So maybe, Leslie, we can begin with the year that was and still is, that being 2022. Fixed income investors did begin this year expecting challenging conditions, though how did the landscape, Leslie, unfold relative to your expectations heading into the year? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's it's one of those situations where when we think about 2022, and I just want to remind everyone that we won't have a strategist out in December. Our next one will be January, and we'll talk about in more detail our positioning for 2023 within our taxable fixed income portfolio. But when we entered 2022, we actually came in a bit cautious, cautious both on interest rates and cautious both on on risk assets being spreads. And obviously, most of that was due to the large amount of accommodation that the market experienced, both uh, monetary mon- uh, from monetary policy and fiscal policy, which just injected a lot of liquidity into the system. And, and our expectation was that, you know, the Fed would start to pull back the reins on this this liquidity and begin to hike interest rates. And the view was that, you know, the fixed income or credit markets, the spreads were too tight coming into 22 because they were sort of um, on that. The tailwind, I should say, was because of all this accommodation has had tight spreads in. Now, even though our expectation was for rates to rise from that one and a half percent 10 year yield, which we started 22 with, you know, we thought that maybe they would go to around that, say, around that 3% level in 23. Obviously, the move was much greater than what we anticipated. And there's no question, if somebody would have said to me in the beginning of 22, Leo Leslie, what do you think about the chances are going to 435 and 10-year Treasury yield as we enter the year at a 1.5%, I would have played probably a near zero uh, probability on that. However, you know, as we know, even though that we came into the year 2022 with the expectation that interest rates would rise and with a preferred weighting in things like senior loans, floating rate assets, as the market had, you know, gone up to around that 275, 3% level, we had started to take some of this, this sort of floating rate off. Now, we never actually went long outright the 10-year yield, but it was one of those situations where the move in terms of the magnitude of both the Fed funds rate and the 10-year Treasury yield was much more than what we had anticipated. And, and as we all know, and, and as we are well aware, the core of this was simply from the Fed waiting a bit too long, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid that inflation would be transitory, and therefore having to just to, to move expeditiously to really, you know, sort of thwart consumer demand, not to allow inflation to spin out of control. So the the move was what we expected. The magnitude of that move was not. 
So it's been quite a year for fixed income investors. As you pointed out, the Fed played a large part in driving sentiment and momentum in the markets. And with the year ahead of us, 2023, Leslie, I'm curious, how do you anticipate monetary policy conditions will play out as we do expect that the Fed will at some point pause and reverse rate hikes and how in turn that might impact asset class performance? Yeah, when we think about how we entered 2022, I mean, you know, like as I mentioned, investors expected tightening, but they didn't expect the magnitude of tightening. And once the March 22 sort of first, you know, lift off that zero loan to bound, lower bound occurred, you saw a lot of divergence in terms of what the expectation would be of the magnitude of rate hikes throughout 2022. I mean, there's a, a lot of strategists had a lot of different views. There was ones that were on the extreme hawkish side that we would go to this, you know, five and a half percent terminal. There were others that said, you know, no, you're not even going to make it to one and a half percent Fed funds rate without causing the economy to fall into recession. But as we enter into 2023, given the moves we've already seen, you know, at least there is a bit more convergence in terms of the outlook, meaning that the market now is, is in my opinion, accurately pricing in what that terminal rate will be or close to what that terminal rate will be. And what it's pricing in is about a five, five and a quarter, you know, Fed funds rate. And at that point, you know, the Fed will pause. It won't necessarily ease, but it will pause. And I think because of that, you know, it is hoped that and is expected that the interest rate volatility that we witnessed in 2022 will be much lower in 2023. There's no questions. You're still going to have quantitative tightening. You might still have some bouts of supply and demand imbalances. You might have, you'll still probably have some bouts of illiquidity, but the magnitude of the volatility of interest rates should be lower in 2023. So when we think about that, how this sort of will play out for risk assets, one of the, you know, biggest sort of headwinds to total return has been one, the rise in interest rates in 2022 and the volatility, and particularly those sectors that are have an easier time being marked to market. So those that are more liquid had had really a large headwinds in terms of performance more than those were that were had had more embedded, say, credit risk in them, because a when you have all these redemptions from funds, it's much easier to sell the most liquid asset first if you have to you know raise cash, you know. Two, the volatility and the correlation of that mark-to-market is much greater for those assets that are more liquid. So when we think about, you know, how this might, you know, go into 2023, those sectors that were really um, at the mercy of interest rate volatility, we think will perform better in 2023. And let's not forget that one of the benefits of such a difficult year of 2022 and such the large magnitude of the move from the Fed has at least garnished investors, fixed income investors, with the ability to earn a lot of income. And really, this is what we're looking at into 2023, the ability to earn income, which drives your total return, and more importantly, the ability to have a large cushion going forward if interest rates should, say, go above that 4.35% high that we saw in 2022. Leslie, maybe we can run with that further if we talk about positioning for a few moments. I do want to turn to the asset allocation table because I see within the latest fixed income strategist, you have made a few changes within the allocation table as we're beginning to close out the year here. So how are you currently recommending that fixed income investors be positioned against the backdrop you've laid out for us? 
as we know, I mean, we, let's, we, it's assumed and it's expected that the Fed will move 50 basis points in um, at the end of December, assuming that there is not some fat tail event from here to now, whether it's in inflation or in the in the labor market. But let's just say it's pretty safe that the that the market will move, um, you know, 50 basis that the Fed will move 50 basis points in December, which will take that lower bound probably around, you know, uh, you know, 430-ish, 430 something lower boundish rate. So now that we have you know, all of this movement and all of this priced in, now it's a matter of, okay, what will be the true impact of all of these rate hikes that happen in such a incredibly short period of time? And as we know, there's a lag. So in the, into 2023, you know, as the cost of capital for corporations, as consumers have to pay a higher rate now, whether it's the mortgage market, the mortgage rates already been priced in, but it'll continue as we go forward, whether or not it's for your, you know, your car loan, the credit card balance, all these kinds of things that are, that happen when the Fed moves so quickly, it's yet to be fully impacted into the marketplace. So when we think about 2023, we're really going to be positioned for the expectation that by the end of the year, interest rates will be lower than where they are today. And by the end of the year, or probably after the first quarter, our expectation is particularly those higher quality sectors, such as agency mortgage-backed securities, investment-grade corporates, will start to perform very well. And this will occur for two reasons. One is that, again, the large headwind that we've seen for those two types of more liquid sectors have been rising rates and interest rate volatility. We expect that to sort of take a a back burner in 2023. That's the first thing. The second thing, we should see some crossover buying as, in fact, the economy does start to slow. And, and even though we're not, this is not a catalyst in terms of the credit market, because as we know, the consumer and corporate balance sheets and Wall Street in general is in a much more healthier position heading into 23 than it was, say, back in the great financial crisis. We had leverage that's much lower. But I do think that, you know, how you're compensated now for lower credit quality really isn't enough given the potential or expected defaults that we might see in in 2023. So that's why we like the higher quality. So when we think about all those years that we heard quest for yield and search for yield, heading into 2023, that's really not going to be the case because you can earn ample yield while, while allocating up in credit quality, which is exactly what we want to do. So we're positioned for saying we want to be, we want to move from float, we're floating, we've are underweight that floating rate. We want to go to fixed rate loan. We have so you're not you can be floating. You move to fixed. That's the first thing. The second thing is is that we have a least preferred into those higher embedded credit uh, type of sectors, senior loans, high yield, in favor of um, a higher quality type of sectors such as investment grade corporates and mortgage backed securities. Because we you know we feel that the Fed will continue hiking in the first part of 23, our expectation is that the yield curve will remain inverted, so short-end yields will be higher than longer-end yields. And because of that, we like the barbell in um, investment-grade corporates. We have some short-end in investment-grade corporates to take that carry and some capital preservation. We're adding out a little bit of interest rate risk within the IG sector, that 7 to 10-year. Again, because interest rates, we believe interest rates throughout 23 will end up lower. And the agency mortgage-backed security part is really coming off that, number one, it's had one of the worst performing years in its history. 
two, the market and the consumer has felt that impact of a 710 mortgage rate, which we started off at about 3% in 2022, so it's over 300 basis points higher. So a lot of that you know, headwind to mortgage-backed securities, we feel, is priced in. So we like that as a sector. And really, the whole sort of the entire um, viewpoint is higher quality, adding incremental interest rate risk. It might not come to fruition interest rates in the first quarter. More than likely, they'll be higher, right? First, you know, normally first quarter of every year, interest rates have a tendency to move higher as everyone sort of resets, except for, you know, some regions overseas. But overall, throughout the year, we do think interest rates will trend lower to probably around the 3% by the end of the year. The evolution of the rate environment has been fascinating to see unfold over the past 11 months. And I know we'll be picking back up with our year-ahead conversation in January, Leslie. Though before we close out the year here, any final thoughts or takeaways you would like to leave for our listeners and their clients? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think the one thing is that to remember this is this is a, you know a global environment, and a, and a lot of these this sort of hawkish global central banks, which it is, which it has been, this is not just an issue in the U.S. are yet to be felt. And I think it would probably be felt globally in terms of the economy slowing. And you know, our expectation, as 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 I mentioned, is not for a deep recession in the U.S., but we do anticipate that by March the Fed will pause, and when the Fed pauses. Interest rates are forward-looking, so they will have a tendency to go lower in anticipation of the Fed's next move. Even if the Fed stays higher for longer throughout 23, interest rates will start to trend down. So, again, we want to take on incremental interest rate exposure. And when you have the opportunity, when we get it, as it goes to 4% or above, we don't want it to you know, go to get over our skis in terms of credit risk. We want to stay up in quality. And again, this this opportunity set for fixed income is the widest that we've seen, you know, going back to 2007. So we definitely think that fixed income is will have a very good year uh, in 2023. Well, Leslie, thank you again for dropping by top of the morning today to reflect on the year that was and to set up the year ahead for us. And as mentioned, do look forward to continuing on with our series of fixed income conversations in 2023. Though again, want to thank you for all of the insights and guidance you've delivered to our listeners and clients here on the podcast throughout the course of 2022. Wish you and yours a happy holiday season and looking forward to speaking again in the year ahead. You as well, Dan. Thank you so much. Thank you, Leslie. And again, today we have been joined by Leslie Falconio, the head of taxable fixed income strategy for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Just in the way of housekeeping, I do want to point out to our listeners and their clients of UBS that the publication which Leslie has been making reference to during our conversation today is the final fixed income strategist publication for 2022. The title is The End is Near. That publication can now be located on UBS.com slash CIO. Though for our clients of UBS listening in, please be sure to reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the publication directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. 
As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.